It's been nearly 50 years since Sam Staggers stepped foot on the Campbell College campus for the fall semester in 1973. And when you think of the all-time greats in Campbell basketball history, the name of Sam Staggers is definitely at the top of the list. He led the Camels to 71 victories over his final three seasons, a runner-up finish in the 1977 NAIA National Tournament, and was named first-team All-American. But Sam's basketball journey was just beginning. He chose Europe over an opportunity with the Harlem Globetrotters and has made Belgium his home ever since. He played professionally for two decades, then moved into the coaching ranks for a dozen years. It's no surprise that Sam is a member of the Campbell Athletics Hall of Fame and is one of five inductees associated with that 1977 team. My name is Stan Cole, class of 1987, and this is our next installment of Tales from the Creek, where we visit with people who have made this place special over the years. I'm delighted today to be joined by Sam Staggers, Welcome to Tales from the Creek, Sam, and thanks for taking the time to visit with us. And thanks for having me over today. Sam, I always ask this question first, but how did this thing get started? How did you um, start playing basketball? What, what, uh, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the start of everything. Okay, uh, I started playing basketball relatively late, I would say, because I started when I was 13 and because of my mom. My mom was a high school basketball player. And as I grew up, I was getting taller and taller. And she said, you should play basketball. But I love music. <laughs> I wanted to play the saxophone when I was a kid. And one Christmas, mom bought us a, a basketball goal. And we put it up outside. And she showed me how to shoot. She showed me how to dribble. So I started off playing basketball because of my mom. Wow. Yeah. So you were thinking John Coltrane rather than... Uh uh, any of the players back in the in the sixties or seventies, Oscar Robertson mm -hmm. or or uh, Lou Alcindor, or any of those uh, West like Unseld, West Unseld those guys. Wow, that was, that was crazy. It was crazy. Tell me, tell me, uh, Mullen, South Carolina, located about a hundred miles south of Bowie's Creek, uh, small town. What was it like growing up in in South Carolina and and your those days? Okay, small town like Mullins, everybody knew everybody. <laughs> we were all friends. Everybody was, it was like more like a solidarity thing. People mm -hmm. that didn't have much would, would help other people that had or didn't have. So that was basically how the city worked. But as far as sports was concerned, every, every house, even if the kid didn't play on an organized basketball team, every house had its own basketball goal. And it was like a basketball city. And if you, when you're growing up and you're tall, then everybody's looking at you, you're going to play basketball. You're obligated to play basketball. And also in my family, my dad was a baseball player and my mom played basketball. I come from a family of seven kids. Unfortunately, two of these kids uh, have passed away. But in my household, if you did not do sports, you could not eat. So, so we, all of uh, the whole family, I had only one sister. It was six boys and one, girls, one girl. Um, Two of the boys played football, which is a sport, of course. Right. And uh, the other three, we played basketball. And my sister had to play basketball because she was tall, too. Wow. So you mentioned that uh, uh, you mentioned the name Wes Unseld. Who are some of your uh, who are some of your favorite players growing up? Uh, Willis Reed, uh, Walt Frazier, Earl of Pearl Monroe, probably that people don't remember. Guys like that. Um, Dave DeBusher from New York played at New York. Um, a lot of people. 
So that 1973 Knicks championship team was important to you? Oh, very much so. Very well, be, I will be. And yeah. of course, Earl the Pearl played at Winston-Salem so, State right it, up right up the road here two hours from us. And uh, some of the greatest names in the history of, of, of the sport. Yeah. Um, was there anybody that you kind of modeled your game after as you were as you were growing up? When I was growing up, I wanted to be Bob McAdoo. <laughs> That's who I wanted to be because... He was one of the first, uh, I think, was the first black player to play at uh, UNC. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to watch him on TV all the time because back in those days when basketball was televised, they would televise mostly the ACC. Mm -hmm. And you could watch the ACC. And I used to watch Bob McAdoo. And he, he came from a uh, junior college, I think, mm -hmm. uh, before he went to Carolina. And I kind of sort of modeled my game after his because he could do a little bit of everything. And at that time, um, Bob McAdoo, one of the first big men that was actually would actually step out and play on the perimeter some. Mm -hmm. And fast forward here 50 years and all the big guys do that now. Yeah. Right. Yep. It seems. Um, tell us a little bit how you um, came to uh, find out about Campbell uh, as things progressed and you, you were all state player your senior year in high school. Um, how did you get to know about Campbell? Um, at my high school, Mullins High School, uh, Pembroke played against Francis Marion College, one of the colleges that we went on to play when I got here to Campbell, um, were, playing a high were playing a college game in our high school. I don't remember how it happened, but it was Campbell, um, Pembroke against Francis Marion. And then I saw Pembroke playing, and my cousins lived in Fayetteville. And Campbell would always play in the Fayetteville tip-off tournament back then. and um, you could come to a college for a tryout, and one of my high school coaches pl uh, played basketball here at Campbell, Doug Simmons, mm -hmm. and um, he said, I'm going to get you a tryout at Campbell. So I came to Campbell, and I, I had been to Mars Hill, and back at that time, you could come try out, practice with the team. And um, I liked Campbell because the coach, Roberts, unfortunately, also who passed away, he said, when I recruit a player, I recruit the person first and then the player. And I liked that a lot when he said that. And after meeting his, his kids, I knew his kids when they were like five years old. So that was a lie. I even used to babysit them sometimes. And uh, when Coach Robert's wife spoke with my mom and she said, you know, if Sam came to Campbell and he's a Baptist, Campbell's a Baptist school, I'll make sure that he goes to church every Sunday and so my mom said, you're going to Campbell's. <laughs> I didn't really have much to say in the matter. So, <laughs> Well, the, 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 uh, the woman who introduced you to the game and got you into the game also decided that you were coming here. That's, that's, uh, it sounds like great recruiting by uh, Coach Roberts and his wife, Barbara. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Tell me a little bit about what it was like at that time to be here. Not you know, Here's your coach that uh, you're playing for and you're going to practice and then on a Friday night, I guess you're going and hanging out and babysitting the kids. What, what, what was that? What was Bowie's Creek like in the mid seventies? Okay. Um, we had an expression. I don't know if they still say it. You can take the kid out of the Creek, but you can't take the Creek out of the kid. I don't know if you've ever heard that expression before. And Campbell is, is such a small college at Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. A lot of now Bowie's Creek is, is on the map, but back in those days, small town, like Bowie's Creek, there wasn't really that much to do, but we made things happen ourselves. And by being on campus, 
you weren't only friends with just the basketball players. You were friends with everybody on campus. And by being so small, you knew all your professors. You knew all. You knew the deans. We had a dean of women, dean of men, dorm mothers. As a matter of fact, we were uh, talking earlier this morning with a couple of the coaches from the Campbell's coaching staff, and we were talking about when we go to the dorm, uh, you would have to sit in the lobby, and you couldn't go to a girl's room. You had to sit in the lobby, and the, de- the dorm mother would sit in there with you. So it was it was pretty crazy. But we we had fun. We would uh, around the dorms. We'd sit around. We had like a TV room. We'd watch TV. We'd go to Kibbit Hall, which was a student union at that time. We'd play table tennis. We, you could shoot pool also. So I mean, if somebody would say, "Ah, oh, Camel, there's nothing to do," that would not be true because during our era, there was a lot to do if you made it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> tell tell us a little bit about uh, Coach Roberts. What did you learn from from Danny? Um, you know, he just passed away here in the last six months, and and uh, we had a amazing uh, uh, gathering for his uh, memorial service. And of course, you sent along a, a video testimony. But tell us tell us a little bit about playing for Danny and what he meant to you and what he meant to this place. Okay, um, I think everybody knows this already, but Coach Roberts was like my second father, and because of him, I think I was successful, and I loved Coach Roberts. And Coach Roberts, uh, as I said earlier, when he recruited me, he said, now, I know you can go to Maryland if you want to, but if you come to Campbell, you're going to get a good education. And it's not just to come to play basketball. You're going to get your diploma. And Barbara Roberts, his wife, made sure that we studied and we got our diploma afterwards. But Coach Roberts, he he was a, a very, very intelligent man. I would like to say he knew how to uh, meet people. And I think everybody loved him. Everybody that he touched were, were amazed by coach Roberts. He was, he was an excellent coach. He was, he was active in the community as well. He knew how to recruit. He knew how to choose players. And I liked him a lot for that. And he was, he was your coach, but at the same time, he could be your friend. And I enjoy playing for somebody that, I'm not afraid of because some players, they play and the coach is like a monster and they're afraid of the coach. With Coach Roberts, of course, he we we were disciplined. We would get punished if we did something wrong. But he was he was a guy that I, I thought he was fair in his decisions. So that's what I liked a lot about him. And I think if you would ask anybody on Campbell's campus that knew him, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about the coach. Of course basketball season running in the wintertime and uh, in the summertime you were involved in what was the greatest basketball school in the world at that time. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, being a you know, camp counselor and, and, and some of those summers with and some of the players who came in here and some of the people you met and, and, and uh, with thousands of kids literally coming through here for a couple of weeks for the Campbell basketball school. Okay. Uh, Campbell as you said, had the largest and the most popular basketball camp in the world. We had, I've met coaches like John Wooden from UCLA, the Wizard of the Wizard of Westwood, they, as they used to call him. Lefty Giselle was here. My very first year I came uh, to Campbell, I remember distinctly there were players like Mitch Kupchak from Carolina, Skip Byers from uh, Wake Forest, 
and then later on down the line, uh, Kenny Carr, uh, David Thompson never came, but um, uh, Sam Perkins, all those guys. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. And for us, uh, players from Campbell, we would get a chance to see how we would do against players from the ACC or from the Big East or from the Big Ten Conference because Campbell had coaches and players coming from all over the country coming to, to play at Campbell. And our thing was with our t- the guys on my team during that time was to go out. We would do counselor games at mm-hmm. night and play in front of the kids, which was the highlight of the day. And when you played, if you had to play against uh, Sam Perkins or if you had to play against Terry Chili or some of those guys, your objective was to prove even if you were from Campbell, which was only a college, playing against those guys, you you showed that you could measure up against those guys, and that was what that was what we did. And for me, I worked as a counselor, I worked as a group leader, I was uh, I worked as a gym head also. So I've been to all the different uh, jobs you can have in the camp, and that was one of the greatest experiences. And I did the three weeks every time. We'd do two weeks of boys, one week of girls, and I've done all that, drove a bus <laughs> to, to the camp. We used to use every gym in Harnett County, and um, I had to go to Lillington, Coach Roberts, once again. I had to go to Lillington, get a, a chauffeur's license, and I drove a bus from Campbell to Anderson Creek, I drove a bus from Campbell to Dunn to the high school because we used all the high schools in the area, and that was that was good. We we lived to be here for the summer with my teammates and I. We lived to be here for the summer to be able to play against those ACC players, play against those players from the Big East and, and Big Ten conferences, uh, and coaches like uh, that are unfortunately passed away, like Jerry Steele from High Point, uh, Dean Smith. Um, Carl Tacey from Wake Forest. Some of the best, uh, some of the best coaches in the world were here at Campbell. So that was a, would be a great experience for any kid coming to Campbell and being able to work in that camp and measure up against those those players. That was that was the highlight of the summer. And of course, your career overlapped uh, when Coach Wooden was uh, retiring. He finished in 1975 at UCLA and was had spent so much of his time coming and giving his time to uh, Bowie's Creek. He and Coach McCall were very close and Coach Roberts. Um, I, I think there are people that are of a certain age that remember what this place was like in June mm-hmm. and remember the buses going all over the place and remember all the, the things about and all the kids running around. And then the people, it, it kind of makes you pinch yourself sometimes to think that Bowie's Creek, North Carolina was, if you wanted to talk about it, because the NBA finals were over by then, mm-hmm. back then. It didn't go stretch into June like it is. It was this, it might have been, could have been uh, the, the center of the college basketball universe for those three weeks. That's, that's definitely true. And I think because of that basketball camp, uh, some players chose to come to Campbell because there were guys that had played like uh, a couple of guys I knew that played at Atlantic Christian wanted to transfer to Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of guys from Lenore Ryan wanted to transfer to Campbell. So I think because of that camp, that helped us and we had more visibility and people could see us and know about Campbell because 
somebody would say Bowie's Creek, and they were like, where's Bowie's Creek? Oh, that's that place at Campbell where they got the biggest basketball camp in the world. And John Wooden is at the camp. Press Maravich is at the camp. Nellie Cooper, longtime uh, ACC official, was at our camp. So, I mean, it was great. It was great. Sam, you mentioned uh, uh, what you did with uh, some of your time uh, when you weren't in class or studying or practicing. Um, what are some of the, the games, some of the times with your teammates that, that stand out in your mind that still here almost 50 years later? Uh, surely that magical run to the 77 uh, national tournament final. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of those, those best memories you have. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of my best memories, we used to watch um, wrestling on TV. <laughs> and Don Whaley and I, we would we would be in our room, we would put the mattress on the floor and we would do a wrestling match in our room. That was really one of one of one of my uh best memories. I remember uh it was a period when they used when they had streaking. I don't know if you know what streaking oh, is. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh we would have kids running across the campus naked, <laughs> things like that. That was a memory. Uh one of my best memories too, there was a in front of Kivet Hall uh was always a dog. His name was Wallace. He was, <laughs> I remember that. I mean, those are things that that kind of stick out in your mind. And also, Campbell is a religious school, and every Sunday after church, we would play basketball until the gym closed. It was a guy, he used to run the uh, checkout room. His name was Mr. Bolton, mm -hmm. and he wanted to close the gym. And we'd be like, okay, one more game, one more game. And we would play, even not, it wasn't even the season. We, it would be out of season, and we would play pickup basketball until they threw us out. Even when we would go play in a tournament, and that's why I think Campbell was successful my last year and also the years before because we had probably the best records in the school history. We would play a tournament, and after the game, when we took our shower, we would ask the, the person, the custodian from the gym, could we get a basketball? We just got done playing, and they would give us a basketball, and we'd shoot around until it was time to get back on the bus. So, I mean, things like that you can't remember. And the thing I remember distinctly, uh, I was talking about this with my friend Randy Yates. That's where I'm staying now mm -hmm. while I'm in the States. And Randy is my best friend. And he, we were in the car driving up here today. And he said, do you remember we played, I think it was at UNC Wilmington. And we missed, uh, I think, like 10 or, or 15 layups. We had to come back to Campbell on the bus from Wilmington. Frank Upchurch was our manager. He told Frank, open the dressing room give them their practice gear, and we practiced. We had to shoot a 1,000 layups. <laughs> we had to shoot a 1,000 layups and make them. And somebody was sitting under the basket counting. Can you imagine somebody under the basket? One, two, three. <laughs> we had to shoot a 1,000 and make them. And, and we practiced after that, and I think we got back to the dorm. It must have been like 3 or 4 in the morning, and I will never forget that. <laughs> Those are uh, those are the good old times, folks. Uh, the NCAA did it, uh, institute some policies as to where you couldn't do that yeah. anymore. And things like that even happened, you know, 10, 20 years ago uh, before the NCAA put those in. But, uh, you know, making your own fun, but also making a memory. That's for sure. Sam, tell us a little bit about your professional career. Um, you, you finished up at Campbell. You've got you got your degree. Um, oh, what led you to uh, to Europe and to and to starting your your um, career in Belgium? Okay, so uh, 
after um, the last season, 77 at Campbell, uh, we had something called, it was a North Carolina-Virginia shootout. And I played in that game. And um, there were some people from the Harlem Globetrotters. I like watching the Harlem Globetrotters, but I didn't like that type of basketball. Mm -hmm. And they drafted me to, to play, but I didn't want to do that. Press Maravich, who was the associate coach uh, at Campbell after I left, but he was mm -hmm. he would come to all the camps and he said, I can probably get you on um, the New Orleans Jazz at that time. Mm -hmm. And he said that um, you you probably, because 6'6", I was a center at 6'6". Mm -hmm. uh, today you have no centers at 6'6". Correct. And I... Uh, one guy also that I admired when he played, and if you remember, his name was Wes Unsell. He was 6'7", and they used to call him the little big man. Right. And he was he was only 6'7". And by me being only 6'6", Press Maravich told me, go to Europe one year and play, and then come back, and you probably could get on a pro team. So that's basically why I went to Europe. And there was a uh, – uh, Dr. Wiggins, who was the president of the school at that time, he was friends with a guy from Belgium. He was a basketball coach, mm -hmm. and that coach used to come over here all the time, and he and he talked to Dr. Wiggins, and he said, I can get Sam a job in Europe. So I said, okay. So I went to Europe. I didn't know where I was going because most people don't even know where Belgium is. They think Belgium is a, is a, a small city in Germany, but Belgium is a country. Sure. It's small. It's like 11 million people, but it's very small. And um, he said, okay, you come, play for a year, and then you can go back. So I went to Belgium, started playing, and my very first year, my team won the championship. Mm -hmm. So the team I played for wanted me to come back. So I said, I mean, I, I helped them. We went up. Uh, we, we won the championship. So I'll come back one more year. And I stayed that second year. Then the second year, I met a girl. <laughs> second year, I met a girl. And uh, I was like, okay, uh, I'll stay one more year and I'll bring her back with me. So I stayed another year. Then I stayed another year. Then I stayed in Europe. But I played for, um, I think, five different teams when I was there. Because it's like the same like over here. If you play in college or NBA and you do good with your team, then other teams are going to try to get you mm -hmm. to, to come play for them. So I played for five different teams, and I wound up staying over there all those years. And uh, I was just like, I forgot about the NBA. I didn't forget about it, but I watched the NBA on TV because uh, in Europe at that time, if you had a satellite, you can get the games or watch on AFN TV, which was the Armed Forces Network. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, we got ESPN. We got everything now. But uh, uh, that's basically, I think, why I stayed in Belgium is because the people are so friendly. It's a small country, very clean. People are friendly um, just and love Americans because of the war, because uh, people who know a little bit about World War II uh, in the city of Bastogne, mm -hmm. which is in Belgium, where they had the Battle of the Bulge. I had an uncle that was in the military and he was stationed in Belgium. And, and I asked him if he knew anything about Belgium because I wanted to, I had a contract to go play there. He said, you'll like it because the people are so friendly, you won't have any problems, but it's very small. So I said, okay, and that's basically how I stayed in. And oh, I forgot something very important. Uh, after a couple of years with that girl, we had a child. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we had a child and uh, my daughter, Julie, who is now 38 years old. Uh, and so after that, I mean, I, I stayed in the, I stayed in basketball. I've always followed Campbell all of the years. And um, even when I graduated from Campbell, somehow somebody uh, the sports information guy would send me a media guide in the mail mm -hmm. and I would, uh, I would call coach and he would, you know, keep me up with what was going on because Campbell wasn't really playing on TV that much back right. then as now as they are now. So, so your mother's love got you started in the mm -hmm. game and then your love, uh, got you stayed in, in, um, in Europe. Um, what were what were some of the highlights? What were some of the best players you faced while you were playing over there? Okay, um, I don't know if you know. Uh, yeah, you probably do. Rick Mahorn that played oh, at Detroit. Mm -hmm. He was playing in Rome. He was playing with Dino Raja, who also played for the Boston Celtics. Um, Greg Ballard that played at Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, Michael Cooper played at Rome. Right. Also overseas. Uh, there has uh, Bo Ellis from Marquette. Uh, he was in Belgium. So Belgium's a small country, but it, it draws like uh, good American players there. But now, uh, back at that time, you could only play with two Americans. Now you can have eight. You can have eight non-nationals on your team. So most teams, they either take eight Americans or they take Croatians, ex-Yugoslavians, or Russians. But now... Uh, most teams, they only take four Americans because it costs them too much. Right. And they don't have that many sponsors. So that's basically how it is. Our guest on Tales from the Creek is Sam Staggers, class of 1977 basketball American and Campbell uh, Hall of Famer. Sam, when did you know that you wanted to pursue coaching as the next step in your career? Because of being a counselor uh, here at Campbell, and learning a lot from a lot of, from the best, I would say, learning from the best. Uh, I already knew as a kid that once I stopped my playing career, mm -hmm. uh, even in the pro, pro level, that I, that I wanted to be a coach. I have coached win, uh, men and women's teams and youth. And I still, as I speak, I still give basketball camps. Uh, years ago, for years and years, I used to bring kids to the Orlando Magic basketball camp mm -hmm. because I knew uh, people back then from the Orlando Magic. I would do basketball camps. I've brought as many as 75 kids to the U.S. to, to participate in basketball camps. I've done camps with my kids from Belgium at Lenore Ryan College. I've done camps with, with my kids at Liberty Baptist also. So uh, I, I love working with kids. And the best thing for me is what makes me feel rewarded is if I teach a kid how to do something and he can do it and he excels at it, then I'm, I'm happy. And when I give my basketball camps, um, I tell the kids during this week, at the end of the week, if you have learned one thing and you can master that, then you've learned something. And that's, that's what I like about coaching. And I like coaching maybe more on the, I wouldn't say youth level because we have like a, a level in Europe we call U18, mm -hmm. under 18. I like coaching those guys because they're eager. If you say run through that wall, they'll do it. You say dive on the floor for the ball, they'll do it because they want to play basketball. And I like that. It, the only thing I regret about not staying in the U.S. and 
being in basketball is I would have wanted to coach on the coaching uh, on the college level, mm -hmm. but I guess uh, and I'm I believe in God and I think God had me go to Europe and coach as a purpose for doing that. And that's the only thing I regret. I won't say I regret, but if if it would be one thing that I would regret is not being able to coach uh, on a college level in the United States, because there you have basically sometimes more now because of COVID, but basically you'll be working with young men from 18 to 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the category that, that I like the most because a younger kid, he's going to hustle because he wants to play. And here in the United States, as opposed to Belgium because of less people, uh, players, American players, there might be 10 other guys breathing down your neck because they want that spot that you have and you have to hustle to keep your spot. Whereas in Europe, it's a little bit different because you don't have that selection like you have in the US. You don't have that reservoir of, of so many players. And so I would think that would be the only thing I regret about not staying here in the States, being able to coach on the college level. Sam, in your opinion, what makes a good coach? What makes a good coach? Uh, I think being able to relate to your players. And I don't remember if you, re if you remember what I said earlier. Mm -hmm. If the coach, if the players are afraid of the coach, I think that's not good. I think you can put up like a barrier between you and your players, but I think you have to have a relation of, uh, with your players. A coach, he has to be a friend. I'm not talking about going to the club with your players, but the coach has to be a friend with his players. Uh, he has to gain the respect of his players. He has to be fair. He has to be fair. And then the fourth thing is the basketball itself. But I think those things, sometimes uh, the way the, the, the individual has to be you have to be respectable, be respectable, and the kids respect you, first of all. And then you have to be a teacher. Because coaching is not just having uh, 12 or 15 guys and you throw the ball out and say, play basketball. I think you have to be a teacher also. And um, Randy and I also... Uh, we both have teacher certificates from the state of North Carolina. So I think that you would have to uh, be a teacher also in, over, in order to be a good coach. Sam, over the last five decades, you've had a front row seat literally for the growth of, of basketball, not just in Europe, but throughout the world. Mm -hmm. um, four of the last five NBA MVPs are from Europe, Giannis and Jokic. Yep. Um, this year's number one pick in the NBA draft is from France. Yep. Um, what has the rest of the world done to catch up with the U.S. in basketball, in your opinion? I think um, in Europe now, they have basketball schools. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about basketball camps. They have what they call sport study. Mm -hmm. And these kids, they can play basketball. They sleep, eat, and drink basketball, and they live like in a dorm, like we do, and they get a chance, they go to school and they play basketball in the afternoon and they play games. And I think that has helped European basketball uh, and all over the world, Asia. Uh, you got players 
probably, like you just pointed out, like Jokic, Giannis, all those guys, uh, Giannis is from Greece. These players, when they were growing up, they, they played basketball every day, just like we do in the United States. And they're probably a lot of, you just said, they're MVPs. <laughs> and they're not American-born. So um, it's just the fact that the coaches from Europe, they watch video for the United States. They bring coaches to give clinics in Europe or in China or in Russia, but not Russia anymore because of the wars going on. But I've even personally given basketball clinics in, in um, Morocco. I've been to Morocco mm -hmm. giving coaches coaching clinics. So I think it's because of the impact of American basketball and European kids or kids all over the world. They watch this and they want to get good. And to get good, how do they do? They practice. Campbell's coach, Kevin McGeehan, has said that he likes having international players in his program, um, not only because their skills are highly developed, but those skills translate well to the team-oriented type of ball mm -hmm. that he likes to play. And as a matter of fact, three of the returning starters from Campbell's team last year that got to the conference final, two of them are for, from Lithuania and one's from Australia. Australia. So it really has, you know, as the world, you know, the, the, the game has, uh, has broadened, the world is coming back to Bowie's Creek for, for, in these ways. And it's just, an, it's an amazing thing to see and to witness. Um, the world is smaller in, in our, and it, as it was. Exactly. When, when you grew up in Mullins, when I grew up in Salisbury, um, we both came through Bowie's Creek. You've gone on to Europe. Do you sometimes just, Shake your head and wonder, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, that's 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 really true. Um, when you talk about um, the the players and uh, from Campbell and uh, Lithuanians and the guy, the kid from Australia, um, in Europe, I think, especially in Europe or a lot of different countries, but basically in Europe. It's not a lot of one-on-one. -on -one. They play one-on-one, -on -one, but it's a more organized. And if mm -hmm. a coach wants to play organized basketball and he takes a kid from Europe or from other parts of the world, that kid is going to be able to fit into a system because he's used to discipline and he's used to, to running plays and having different offenses for this situation. And those kids can fit right in. And I think Kevin is right by taking these type of kids because they're going to help his program because they're used to that type of basketball, the basketball that he likes. So I think that's one of the reasons as well. And it's such an interesting thing too. And, and I've shared this and a lot of people who have worked here for a long time, my kids are grown, but my kids literally have friends from all over the world, from every continent that's inhabited. I don't think we've met anybody from Antarctica yet, yeah. <laughs> but, but they literally do um, because of growing up on a small college campus where people from all over the world, many of them athletes, mm -hmm. have come through Bowie's Creek. It's, it's just kind of mind-blowing sometimes when we sit around and, and think about these things. And, and um, I always ask that, how, do, how did I get here thing? It's, it's, sometimes it's, a, it's beyond our... Um, our um, our uh, realm of recognition. But now that you've retired from coaching full-time, Sam, how do you like to spend your time? Um, we have three dogs at home. <laughs> <laughs> we have three dogs. And uh, my wife is also retired. We, uh, we, we take the dogs for walk. 
And my wife, uh, she, we have gone to Egypt. We've gone to France. We've been to Spain. We've been almost everywhere you can go. And now when we go on vacation, we usually go in, on, in France. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of mini trips. Uh, we, we go to France, I would say, at least once a month, stay for two or three days. Then we come back. Uh, I've been to Normandy, uh, where you got all the, the, the landings, the beaches where they landed on during uh, World War II. Uh, I, I, I like uh, history stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a country in Belgium where the, there's a lot of history. Uh, you had, like I spoke about earlier, the Battle of the Bulge in Bastogne, Belgium. We have Waterloo in Belgium. That's where Napoleon uh, had the the battle against General Wellington. Of the, it was the British and the French. Um, we have uh, just so many things: cathedrals, uh, big churches, Grand Place of Brussels. So many statues that are world known. So uh, I live in a country where there's a lot of history and. Now I'm getting a chance to visit some of that stuff that I didn't have a chance to do when I was coaching or when I was playing. And now that I'm retired, I'm trying to catch up on all the stuff I didn't get a chance to do uh, during, during my career as a coach or a player. At one time you shared with us that you'd visited 35 countries. Correct. Do you have a, a favorite spot you've been? Probably let me think. There's been, I, I would say uh, for me, uh, my wife and I, we went like five times in a row on vacation in Egypt. Wow. Yeah, we went five times in a row. And I think that might be one of the, the, the most beautiful places that we have ever been. I've been to Israel. I, uh, I, it's very nice. I've been to Lebanon. I've been to a lot of places. But I think probably the, the most beautiful place I've been to is uh, it's a place called El Guna uh, mm-hmm. in uh, Egypt. And I think that's probably my favorite place. Um, you, you, you speak three languages in addition to uh, French. Our university hashtag or our, our saying is roll humps now. Exactly. Uh, uh, can you translate roll humps into French or Dutch for us so we can maybe have that and then put that on there? Okay. Roll humps would be rouler. That means roll. Mm-hmm. Rouler la bosse. Rouler la, la bus. Rouler la bus, parce que I was getting ready to speak French too. Okay, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, rouler la bus, that means roll the hump, and the hump is on the camel, and a bus on the camel is the hump. And in, um, in uh, let me see, in uh, what would I say in Dutch for that? Uh, uh, lopen, that means to, to run or to roll. Lopen the bus. So that would be uh, roll the hump again in that language. <laughs> so that would be good. But I think rouler la bus would be easier for somebody to say because in Dutch you would have to like that and that would be hard for an American. Because even me, all these years I speak French, the R is the most difficult letter to use when you're American because when you learn your alphabet A, B, C, and French would be A, B, C, D, E, instead of E. So I think uh, it would be easier for an American to say, roulez la bus. Well, we're going to have to remember that one because we have a, a large con- uh, French contingent mm-hmm. um, on our men's soccer team. And so when they score a goal, maybe we'll start a roulez la bus right, exactly. uh, cheer going there. Yeah. 
finally, Sam, wrapping up today, can you put into words how Campbell and the Bowie's Creek committee, uh, community has impacted your life? Uh, first of all, and I, this is going to be from my heart and honestly, and as I spoke to my friend Randy Yates about this, I have never, and we're talking about from 1973 up until this day, 2023, I have never experienced any type of racism. And I, I would like to, to speak on that. You're a tall, skinny, black kid coming from, North, from South Carolina coming to Campbell University, well, Campbell College at that time. And everybody, I can't remember any incident when color was a problem. And now we are in 2023, and you see on TV, me in Europe, I see there's a problem with policemen shooting people. That didn't happen back then. So I think uh, what impacted me the most was the, the love and the friendship of people uh, with the students, with the faculty, with the fans coming to the games. And th that's what I, I, that's why I stayed, I think, my four years because you felt accepted and you felt loved when you were at Campbell. And I would, to this day, uh, I was trying to get, but she's all, she went to a school because her mother didn't want her to go far away. My niece, her daughter was an excellent basketball player, and she played at some junior college in, in Oklahoma because my sister lives in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And um, I was trying to get her to come to Campbell. And, I, and uh, at that time, Wanda Watkins was the women's basketball coach. And I had called Wanda, and I was trying to get my niece here. So I would advise everybody I know, if they want to play basketball, go play at Campbell. And we spoke about this this morning with Randy again. And you probably say, why does he always talk about Randy? Because Randy is my best friend. And uh, he said in the car driving up here, he said, if I had to do it all over, I would do it again. And if I had to do it all over, I would do it again too. Well, folks, there's your uh, testimony for uh, Campbell University and the relationships you can build wherever you go if you're in, in, intentional in that way. My name is Stan Cole. Our guest today on Tales from the Creek has been Sam Staggers. Thank you, Sam, for sharing your Tales from the Creek. And thank you, too, for having me today.